This is a Baby Brunch podcast. I would say always res- always respect the dog's boundaries. Ask mm. for permission to to go near the dog or to interact with the dog. Never just interact with a dog that you don't know. Ask for permission. And I think uh, when it comes to touching the dog, maybe um, the the best rule of thumb is not to touch the sides um, or the top of the head. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to every day by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax. Landy, we have had many conversations about a lot of things on yeah. this parenting podcast to the point that we've said to ourselves, you know, we're not just making content for parents to be. But for people who don't want to have babies and kids, for people that just want to know about lifestyle, about humans, and then today, animals. <laughs> so <Great. laughs> it's the first time that we have the privilege of hosting a dog trainer. The term seems simple, but I want to ask, what does a dog trainer do? And when do I decide to bring my dog to a dog trainer? Because surely I can do it myself. <laughs> You'll be surprised what dog trainers do. We teach people to teach the animals. <laughs> it's, the training is mostly for the for the dog handlers. It's it's less about the the dogs, but more for the handlers. And um, if you think about it, it's a com- communication between two species, like human and dog animal. So we teach um, humans to communicate with dogs. Have you tried to train anything else other than dogs? Um, my kids <laughs> and men, but that doesn't work as well. <laughs> well, I must lead you into a secret. I remember when Lundy trained my youngest baby, who is Tracy Berry. She's mm-hmm. a Labrador, yeah. um, pitch black, even black eyes and pupils. Um, I said to her at some stage, can I bring the kids? And she said, Alana, not a good joke. No, no, not children. No. Yeah. So today is not that kind of podcast. We're talking about yeah. dog training specifically. But dogs and children, I mean, let's say we want to have a baby and we have pets. Yeah. So the pets have been there first. Yes. And now we're expecting baby. Is there anything we need to prepare for while baby is growing? You know, I know of many people that had had dog babies and then later on they decided they wanted to start a family. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, there's several things that you can do. So you can gradually introduce your pet to... um, the the things of a baby Mm. so the sounds of a baby the smells of a baby um so that they you know um so that they are sensitized for it so that they're not overwhelmed when the baby arrives right okay um you can maybe also gradually adjust their routines so if you are you know if your baby is if your dog is used to a certain time of feeding um and walking and exercise and play and all of that, you can adjust those time slots um, in preparation for, for the baby. I feel like at this stage I need to have actually asked everything about my pet first because <laughs> how do I deal with a pet that is not even in routine if I'm going to have a baby oh, and don't know the routine? I think if your pet's not in a routine, it's actually the best because then they don't expect to be fed at a certain time. They, they expect food when it comes. Unless, you know, they have food throughout the day, which is not not the best idea. But so they don't have an expectation. Dogs Mm -hmm. are very good in expecting 
expecting things, reading time, reading, you know, they, they, I'm, I'm convinced that they can read time. Mm. Yeah. I have a dog that, that insists on food when it's feeding time. She will kick her, bu- uh, her bowl, mm. like, come on, you yeah, know, you have to do turn. this yeah. now. Yeah. What if the dog is not happy? Okay. So baby arrives yes. and you can see that puppy is just not dealing not, with this. Not puppy is not happy. Do we keep them separate? Do we, wh- what would you advise? Everything um, so far is to gradual, gradually introduce the dog. So maybe keep the dog separate. Let him let him observe the, the baby from a distance. Mm. Um, you know, even if you, if you put a baby... Um, a baby gate or um, you know some physical um, right. separation. Um, let them let the dog see. Let the dog hear. And if you are comfortable, even let the dog come closer to investigate. If as long as it's cu- uh, a healthy curiosity, I say let the dog investigate. And he will obviously investigate with his nose and because um, you, you know in the horsey world we say they smell you. Yeah, they but I, smell you. yeah, but I want to tell you that sometimes you know your horse does nip. And oh, you yes. say, oh, he's just smelling you, you yeah. know. Do dogs do the same? Do they want to taste? Depends. It depends on how comfortable the dog is, how confident he is. Um, I don't think that a dog will necessarily taste if he's, if he's uncomfortable or if he doesn't feel safe of even going close. He will, he will generally just sniff. Smell, okay. Mm-hmm. How, how do we control doggy and, and baby? Do, do, do both parents or partners, are we all present? Isn't it too overwhelming or is it just mom and baby and, and doggy? It depends on the dog's confidence level. So if he's a well-socialized dog, then, then it won't matter how many people are there. But if it's an unsocialized dog or a little bit of a shy dog, then I think one-on-one would be better. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe also on lead at first. So that idea, so yeah. that's you know you can you can take the doggy away um, if it's necessary. So if you're not watching our video, I mean we're recording a podcast and video at the moment with Landy, and I'm I'm literally sitting here having a hundred other questions fuel through my brain because immediately I think, okay, what is a good social dog? What if there's been other occurrences where he's either growled or Let's let's just say growl because growling and biting is not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah. No. Okay. No. So doggy has growled at people before. Is that a social dog? Um. So that is a that is a social dog in the sense that he can at least give you a sign that he's not happy with the situation. So, so you know, some dogs um, won't even growl and will just go for the snap, depending on what happened happened in their lives. Mm. So a growl, I always say to my handlers also, that a growl should not be punished. A growl is a, is a warning that I'm not comfortable with you mm. in my space. Um, so if you punish a growl, um, you will you will make a dog not, not give you that warning and just go mm. to the next step, which is um, nipping or snapping. Dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So okay. a growl is a good is a good sign. Then at least you know that the dog is uncomfortable with what is in his environment, and you can manage. Obviously, you won't you won't force yourself on him if he's mm. if he shows that he's not comfortable with anything. You will then create distance and make sure that all parties are safe and the dog can um, continue with his life <laughs> without uh, without threat or fear. So what if a dog snaps? And he snapped someone before, and now I have a new baby in the house. Is that a dog that will snap all the time? No, it's not a dog that will snap all the time. I think it's very circumstantial. Um, but I would be I would be cautious if if a dog has snapped at someone before. 
um, I would be cautious to just have the dog with the baby unsupervised. Children and children and dogs should actually never be unsupervised. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. Supervised. <laughs> Which dog breeds are generally better with kids? Is there such a thing? You know, we, we often look at a border collie and then we go, oh, very good with children. Then someone goes Labrador, very good with children. And I'm thinking, actually not, because they're so big and lumpy at first. <laughs> I mean, my aunt is so lump, you yeah, know, yeah. and he bumps the six-year-old out of the way, steps over the Lego, yeah. you know, runs around with my shoe, which at the time was a lacquer Gucci. Expensive oh. dog, yeah, and and then we send him to do, her to dog training, and she's well behaved. And when she comes home, she's so excited, and she jumps on the trampoline. And I mean, all of it actually sounds really cute, except for the Gucci part. But yeah. but do you go out and look for a rescue that is a, I don't know what's Christoph. Christoph is a is a fox terrier, Jack oh. Russell cross, oh. and he's fabulous with the kids, <laughs> you know. And and we got him as a special gift. Yeah, mm-hmm. high energy dog. High energy, yes. but lovely. Yes. Lovely personality. So remember, Tracy Berry is still very young. <laughs> That's She's a Labrador. also still, still a baby. <laughs> very young still. Mm. So, but no, but Labbies, Labbies and Retrievers are, are generally better with kids because mm. they are so adaptable. So they're so friendly. Um, so they are generally better. But I think the best dog for any kid, kid is maybe just a socialized dog. While they are still puppies, we shouldn't expect them to be perfect dogs. Mm. They, they grow into perfect dogs. <laughs> what are some of the warning signs? I mean, I can tell you because of my experience and my dogs. And so um, Poppy, who's a, who's a bulldog, fabulous. But I know, I always say to the kids, don't sit on her back. Yeah. She doesn't like it. Yeah. But I can, I do this thing where I pretend to do yoga with her. Yeah. And I put her on her back and I roll her and I stretch her legs. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I tickle her titties and I just, I'm all over her. I yeah. can even kiss her upside down. And she will do nothing to me. Why that? Why is it a red flag when the kids sit on her back, but when I'm stretching and pulling her in all directions, she's got no issue with it whatsoever? Yeah. I mean, how do we know? what typical red flags are if it's so mixed because our dogs don't talk. Yeah, they, no, they don't talk, but but they they do have body language cues. Um, so a, a kid sitting on a dog's back, whether it's whether it's a big or a small dog, is, is not a good idea because um, kids that won't necessarily know when when is enough enough and it might just be that you know your dog your dog your dog's not a horse so the back will hurt it's not it's not made for carrying weight (laughs) whereas when you do yoga with your pup you are you are cautious i mean you won't stretch your dog in a in a position or in a in a way that's uncomfortable for your dog i'm imagining her now Becoming a horse. No, sorry. No, yeah, no. Not, she doesn't have that bolt for it. <laughs> are there other red flags that we need to look out for, especially when our children are visiting other dogs? I mean, when we get to the neighbor's house, no matter whether it's – like I'll tell you what happened today. So I'm in conversation and we're discussing our pets, and the one lady says she's got a bigger dog, uh, which is a rescue. She loves him with the, with the girls, with her daughters, but the Yorkie – she says, I won't trust him. Yeah. Now, the Yorkie is the smaller version of it, yeah. you know. And I would imagine the Yorkie, you know, would I'll almost say, Come so yeah, you know. Come yeah. Winky. Um, what, what do you think makes us say that? What are, we, what are we seeing or what are they seeing in their animals? So, I would say that it's socialization. So, a, a small dog that's not socialized um, can be more dangerous than a, a big dog that is socialized. Sure. 
Um, I've had that. I've had that also before. We are had a Maltese, but this Maltese was not socialized. He had guarding issues, and I had a, a German Shepherd. Whereas the German Shepherd was very friendly and mm. obviously socialized. Um, and people used to come to to the house and be afraid of the big, large German Shepherd. Whereas the Maltese was the was the was the dog to look out for. Mm. So it's socialization. And I think with socialization, you also get confidence. Dogs get confidence with socialization. And a dog that's not socialized is not confident. And that make it, makes him then react out of fear. Uh, it's mostly fear rather than aggression mm. um, that makes them react um, the way they do. How do you socialize a dog? Well, firstly, with if you have a puppy, you have the fortu- you are fortunate enough to have a clean slate puppy. Puppy socialization. I always say that puppy socialization is the most important training that mm. you can give your dog. Forget about obedience training and and all sorts of other training. Right. If you if you don't have a socialized pup, um, you know you have a problem. Because unsocialized, unsocialized dogs are fearful. They go they go with fear through life. Mm. And how do you do that? Do you invite people to your house? Well, that's one way. That's one way. But exposure. I think ex- exposing your pup to to all sorts of environments mm-hmm. and obviously puppy socialization classes is the best best to do. Um, sibling socialization doesn't count. I always get people mm-hmm. to say that nobody's grown up with many other dogs. So siblings doesn't count as socialization. Right. Dogs need to see different kinds of dogs, different kinds of people, mm. different kinds of environment. Um, you know, that that's what socialization is about. Why do my dogs go mad when they see other dogs outside the gate? But the minute you bring them to each other, they're the friendliest dogs. And this includes little children walking their small little puppies. And I feel so embarrassed that they are barking at these kids and their dogs. But the minute we take them closer, then the problem is solved. Yeah. So I think it's to do with barrier frustration. Remember, dogs are dogs are socialized creatures. So what they would want, what they want to do most of all is to, to sniff butt. <laughs> you know, that handshake that luckily we don't have to do. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Can you imagine? So, so the moment that they are in a position where they can, you know, um, engage in doggy mm. behavior. Um, that's when they They're when happy. they when they are happy and at ease. But as long as they can't do that, they feel that frustration. What to do when you are in a situation? So, um, child is visiting another child. Yeah. They're having a play date, and there's a butt. What do I do first? other than overreacting and racing to the parent's house and starting to blame? There's a bite. So firstly, so it's not your dog that, that bit the child. Mm. It's the, the, the other person's dog. Yeah, that's always a little bit of a contentious issue because, you know, uh, you will be for your, for your kid and that person will obviously justify mm. um, the behavior of the dog. Um, I think it's best to rather find out beforehand how how the the other dog or the other person's dog um cope with strangers um in his area before you let your dog uh, before you let your kid go yeah. go there but mm-hmm. you are asking what happens now after the fact it depends on how severe the bite is okay. if the dog bites 
and no skin is broken. So he just you know put his nipped. Yeah, he just nipped. He just put you his his jaw on mm-hmm. on on skin, and there's no there's no um, mm. damage. Then. I would think that that is a good a good thing to know mm. that your dog's got bite inhibition, mm. meaning that he's got he's got control over his jaws. Mm. Because if you think about it, they they are they are capable of so much more. more right. Okay. So now um, I would definitely assess the situation to see what was the trigger to prevent that in in future. Mm. You know, and and then if if it becomes like more than once, I would. Even after one time, I would mm. separate the dog from the kids for a while, mm. or my kids from the dog. You know, just keep them separated, and never, never, ever let them in, be be together without supervision. Right. Especially if a dog's not used to children. In in my case, I have a dog that's that's that did not grow up with kids, so mm. I am always cautious. I will never ever let her alone with the kids. Right. That's good advice. Yeah. Never. Can one fix the situation at all if the dog and the kids are just not getting along? I mean, um, do we, do we, do we, oh, I'm going to ask this like this. Do we get rid of our pets? You don't have to get rid of your pets. It will take, it will take time and patience if there's, if there's now really a, a situation where, where the dog is just not happy. Mm. Um, I presume that the, the, the overwhelm will be on the dog side. I mean, mm. with kids, we can reason. We can, we can uh, t- explain to them what it is mm. we, we expect of them. Um, with dogs, I think that you can fix the situation, but with, with, with time and patience and possibly professional assistance okay. from, a, from a, you know, a dog trainer is that something or a you dog do? behaviorist. Um, I'm not a qualified behaviorist. Um, I'm, I'm studying towards that one day. That's that's the aspiration. Mm. Um, no, I'm a dog trainer, and you know, obedience, uh, obedience and behavior is two different Two's things. Yeah, separate things. Yeah, sure. Such a fine line. I think I think that with with obedience training, uh, basic obedience training, it it helps manage behavior. Mm. But then there are so so many other things. Um, that can influence behavior mm. that, you know, that's that obedience training won't solve for. What if you are strolling your pram and uh, a dog comes running towards you? It happened to me once. I went for a run <laughs> yeah. in Belleville near my parents' um, house at the time. And I didn't know the area. Yeah. And someone left their gate open. Yeah. And I was strolling with, with a pram. And this beautiful, lush Alsatian came running next to my pram. Yeah. And then I thought, what would I do? And I kept strolling. Yeah. And the dog kept running. And then eventually he turned around. Okay. But my heart was already can sitting imagine, in my yeah. throat. Yeah. I can just imagine. So uh, that's all, also my fear when I go for a run. I'm, I'm always afraid that, you know, someone Friends, will leave the dog open. Do you know how many the, <laughs> the gate open and this dog will come out. My, it's happened to me once. Well, we, I touched the dog. And then realized he's not with the person that's running next to me. And then he said, it's not my dog. And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, lucky for you, it was then a socialized dog. Uh, thank goodness. Yeah. It was a staffy. Oh. And only now I see his, his I swear three, who could have Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Beautiful brown dog. I still don't know who it belonged to. I never took a picture. And it was friendly, coming up friendly. I, I think, think that so, you can yeah. also read body language. You know that if, a, you know, if a dog's hackles are up, 
and he's now charging and he's barking and he I looks would have vicious. Done a really good time. <laughs> My instinct would be to 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 stop and not to run. Mm. Uh, I've had opportunity. I've had occasions where I was walking with my dog, and a dog came out. Mm. And obviously, now my dog's on lead, and that dog's off lead. And I know the dynamics of that, uh, where I just shouted at mm. the top of my my lungs, and mm. that stopped that dog. So I do have a shout that will stop a dog mm. dead in his tracks, mm. um, and that's what I did. So I just um, scared the dog off with my voice. Um, but if it's just me, and uh, depending on the body language that I read with the dog mm. uh, approaching dog, I would maybe just not run away, just stand still, or maybe just make a big noise. Mm. It depends on the situation. Do Do you think hypnosis and kineology kine- and um, is there other things for dogs? I mean. That's a very interesting question. And yes, I believe there is. So I also believe in communicating with dogs. I think that a person can do that. Um, it takes obviously skill and practice. Mm. Um, I've I've um, explored a web energy balance thing for my dogs where where you can you can massage and um, settle their nervous system mm. in certain ways by centering yourself and you know putting all of that energy into your hands where you can um, examine the dog so I try that with my dogs and interestingly enough there is some some calming signals that you mm. can look out for that you can expect when you when you treat your dogs like that and and and, and stuff like yawning or tummy gurgles or even mm. farting mm. so I've tried that with my dog and I was um, I was thanked with a very very stink fart <laughs> <laughs> so it works um, you know sounds like my bulldog <laughs> calming the nervous system yeah. will let things we'll like let that, that happen yeah. yeah it's interesting that you say that because when I stroke my dog and and do pretend yoga with her yeah. um, I do this thing where I say to my husband and obviously I t- I'm saying this lightly and in a joke I do Reiki <laughs> where I just rub my hands over yeah. her and she stands still. Yeah. Her little short legs, those bulldog legs, just stand still while I'm while I'm touching her softly on her back. And you know, her hairs are almost standing up. Yeah. Which brings me to my next question, and I didn't prepare you for this one. Now, often when we travel, we still live in two cities and mm. then we have a dog sitter with our, our house and our doggies, and then we go every time we travel, if there's a suitcase, then the bulldog her behavior changes. The trigger, yeah. Could animals get so attached to our kids as much as our kids need the animals? My children love their dogs to the point that the one can't fall asleep if Christoph is not in the bed. Oh, sweet. Do you think it's the other way around for yeah, dogs? Yeah, definitely. They also get attached. They also get attached to us, sometimes not uh, not in a healthy way. That's mm. over attachment when they get separation anxiety or yeah, distress when you when you go away. away. Mm. Yeah, so there are ways to to help your dog not to be so overly attached, and that is by setting boundaries. You know, um, giving them the space, teaching them to be happily alone mm. uh, with chew toys or um, just be happy. Or the whole bougainvillea tree that she ate. <laughs> Like really, okay, yeah. I feel bad now for going away. But it, the like things like the suitcase would would trigger a dog that's yeah. a, a little bit attached. Mm. Um, just like picking up the keys when you leave, yes, or, or putting on running shoes. They that, always yes. think it's for their walk. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so we've now done our pets and 
playdates at the Friends. We've spoken to the mom. Yeah. We've learned that this dog is fabulous with children. We're going to yeah. send our kids there. What's the rule of thumb that I give my children before going to playdates where there's pets? What should I tell them? So... I would say always res- always respect the dog's boundaries. Ask mm. for permission to, to go near the dog or to interact with the dog. Never just interact with a dog that you don't know. Ask for permission. And I think uh, when it comes to touching the dog, maybe um, the, the best rule of thumb is not to touch the sides um, or the top of the head mm. or, you know, the, his extremities like his, like his tail or his feet, mm. rather under the chin or on the back. That's the, the safest place to touch or to, to pet. It's interesting you say that. So with pony camp, when you start working with horses and kids, you know, they, they teach you how not to get kicked. Okay. And you approach a horse from the front, you know, otherwise you can't change his booties or do anything. Yeah. I think the, the best advice also for your kid is wait, let the dog approach you instead of you approaching the dog. So mm-hmm. let the, do- the dog come up to you and sniff you first. You know, that way you, you can be certain that he's comfortable um, if, if he comes into your space. What else can we teach children about playing with dogs? If they want to play with a dog toy or play pull and tuck, you know, it's some of the stuff that we learned with you in behavioral training, you know, and when to let go. Yeah. Um, my dogs are quite big for my children to play with. I mean, they'll, they'll run them over. Yeah. Yeah. What what kind of play can kids do with their dogs? So we can play, obviously, duck toys and, you know, you can throw ball. Um, I think that would be the safest for kids. Yeah. But there are also nice games that you can play with a dog, with a dog um, come feeding time. I, I believe that feeding time is the ideal opportunity to build that bond between you and your dog um, or even teach your children this if um, if um, you know if that is if you incline that way um, to use feeding time to to train your dog and to build that bond with your dog uh, by playing games with the food. Okay. So um, the one game that I like to play with my dogs is called the pro- proximity game, where I I throw their food away from me, and when they chase it, and they. they turn around to look for more that's the orientation towards me which i will then mark with a with a with a marker word like yes and just reward them again um, by throwing out a, a, a another treat another treat oh, man. just so that they can orientate uh, um, orient again you know back to me okay. um, that makes it a, a fun game so they will always then look at me for these fun things mm. um, from my side. So I like to play that game. Also, it also helps with focus, you know, mm. for the dog to pay attention and to focus on me for, for nice treats and bits. When, you, when you're doing training with dogs, do you always do it with food? Yes. Um, food is the best because, you know, all dogs, um, some people will think about food as bribing. Mm. Um, whereas when we train our dogs, we use food to teach a behavior and we phase the food out. But dogs will ha- dogs must eat anyway. So might as well just use their food and, you know, teach them something. What if my dog bites my kid? It's again c- circumstantial. What, what was what was what 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 happened in the environment? So dogs won't just bite without giving some sort of body cue. I'll tell you what happened. So I will call you anonymous for the sake of this podcast. Um, a child was had who was six years old and got a rescue fluffy dog. Yeah. 
And on day one, the dog was dog bit the child. And the said father took the dog back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that the dog lasted one day. Oh, that's a pity. <laughs> yeah. What was the What was the situation? Uh, it was too small to to say. Oh. So you know, so I'm always curious as to when a dog bites immediately, who else turned around and took him back to where he came from? Shame. So that's why I'm wondering: Do we keep them and socialize the animal? That's that gradual, you know, mm. that gradually introduce them instead mm. of just overwhelming and them. Giving the dog a kid. Yeah, it's it's yeah, like. <laughs> Did you at least know that the dog was used to kids? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no one got hurt by the recording of this podcast. I promise. <laughs> I'm laughing because there's some situations that just lends itself to it. Um, are the, is the same for cats? Can cats be trained? Cats can be trained, yes. Uh, I'm not that familiar with cats. I don't have cats. Um, mm. uh, but you can. Uh, you can train a cat with lots of patience. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of patience, I think. What other advice do you have for us when it comes to our dogs and introducing them to families? Last words from our dog trainer. I always say it's about experience. Oh, make sure that the experience is good for your dog. So if you go to a place where the experience is not good, you won't go there again. You you will avoid going where the experience is bad. So if you want, if you want your dog um, to enjoy your company or come close into your into your space or even the people that you introduce him to, let the experience be good. Mm. Um, and by a good experience, I I would say that uh, let the dog approach. Mm. Um, let he be let him or her. Let the dog be comfortable, mm. if, that, if that answers the question. A dog's dirty? Can my baby kiss my dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, well, can, it, depends, it depends, I guess, um, on how, how finicky you are with your hygiene. Uh, but can, I, they lick, can they lick my children's faces? I let my dogs lick me. <laughs> <laughs> can, can the kids eat the poop? No. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I would draw a line, you know, with just love your dog. You don't Can have to eat. Can kids eat dog food? Well, they shouldn't, but I don't think that they will, they will, you know, be harmed by one taste. <laughs> so I always taste my dog's food or even treats to make sure that, you know, it's, it's nice. It never is. It's not nice. <laughs> Uh, it's not nice. Like, no, it's not nice. How often do we deworm them? Um, regularly. The kids. So, the kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I kidding. think it's best to speak to your doctor about that. You're right. Because speaking of, um, in our next podcast, we'll be talking to the vet. So we'll be bringing our vet in to talk to our vet about owning any kind of animal. Uh, those that are venomous, uh, those that needs deworming. Um, and even those that needs another home. So thank you so much for joining us today. This was thank really insightful much. and fun. And I must tell you, I've learned a lot about my own pets. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity too. To get hold of Landi Kurze, the instructor from McKay 9 Training Center, uh, this is her email address. Yeah. So it's uh, midstream at mckay9.co.za. So that's midstream at mckay9. M-C-K, yeah. 
MCK. Yeah. So that's midstream at mckay9.co.za. This podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.